You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Coming to you live from the Kaju Cafe via a Man Cave Happy Hour in Podcast Detroit. Welcome to Behind the Bar, produced by Zim's Vodka in Podcast Detroit. So today's Wednesday, April 14th, 2021. Uh, and we're going to make history today, unlike Lincoln, who made history today about well, 100, uh, 150 yeah. years ago. Bad night at Forge Theater. <laughs> and I'm one of your hosts, Bruce Kittle, along with Terry Olson, the CEO and founder of Zim's Vodka. Say hi to you. Hey, great to be here. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't you be happy to be here? And the guys who really make it happen for Man Cave Hot Happy Hour, uh, Matt Fox... And Jamie Flanagan. Thank you, fellas. So, today's episode of Behind the Bar with Zim's Vodka is at everyone's favorite neighborhood bar, the iconic Kaju Cafe. We are honored to have co-owner and musician John Rutherford of the Kaju Cafe as our guest. And I'm telling you right now, for those listening, we're going to have a blast, okay? Since its days... As a Prohibition-era speakeasy, the Cadu Cafe has been a social club for Metro Detroit's Belgian population and has been the unofficial headquarters for an array of different clubs, and correct me if I'm wrong, promoting pastimes from across the pond, including pigeon racing. I want to hear about that. Archery, bicycling, darts, and, of course, feather bowling. We're going to definitely talk about that. So... In fact, it's my understanding this is the only venue in the entire United States where you can feather bowl. So North we're gonna, America. In North America. Yep. Oh, my gosh. So Can- Canadians couldn't get it right either. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, um, anyways, um, it, and by the way, we encourage everybody viewing and listening, come here. This is a really cool place. So, um, Good evening, or I should, yeah, it is evening. Yeah, good evening, John. So we're excited to have you on Behind the Bar. I'm happy to be here. This is great. This we've been, is we've really... been trying to do this for, what, a, half, a year now, a half a year? <laughs> oh, my Lord. What exactly? It's it's crazy. So um, tell us about the Kaju Cafe, where it started, how it evolved with all these different clubs, and sure. where you're at today. Well, to be honest, I'm, I'm still learning the history uh, as, as uh, I'm getting in this business we've had it my partner and i paul howard um we've had it for just over two years now and uh so what january of 2019 is when we took over and had a great first year and we're look, we were looking forward to digging into the second year and then we had had the shutdown um but we're we're back at it now uh we reopened well last summer we reopened and had a good run from july through november closed in for a few months and uh just reopened here uh when uh michigan went to 50 percent so about five or six weeks ago right and uh yeah as far as the history i mean that's that's part of the reason that that you know we, we bought the place um not only am i one of the owners i was a customer and, and still am a customer <laughs> you and sound I, like I, a hair and, club and, for yeah, men exactly <laughs> i need one of those pretty soon too <laughs> especially after this year uh, um but I, I i lived down the street i actually used to play here every tuesday for a number of years with uh, a, a 16-piece big band called the scott Quinnell jazz orchestra and uh, I think even during part of that time, so this this is going back to the uh, late '90s, early 2000s. I was I was at U of M at that time. We'd be here on Tuesday nights, you know, make make a make a few bucks, drink as much as you want. Going back to Ann Arbor then, even though I had the option of going to my parents' house, you know, we would always there were a group of us from Ann Arbor. We would always make the trek back 
But um, so my history, you know, as far as my first experiences, we're, we're playing here as a musician. Um, so that's, I mean, that's that goes back 25 years. Um, and then, uh, yeah, as far as the history, I mean, that, that that's the allure of this place, and that was what was really intriguing uh, to my partner and I is, is just the vast history. And um, 1933 was when the uh, Kaju uh, Feather Bowling Club started, and that's the that's the men's league that is on Thursday nights. And so 1933 was the first year they, they had it. They had, you know, that lane was outside at the time. They had one lane. Really? Yeah. And then when they added the second lane, and I, I can't, I haven't learned that information yet, um, but I'll track it down at some point. But <laughs> when they added the second lane is when they then enclosed everything out there. And my, my guess is probably that was um, sometime in the late 40s, early 50s. Um, but, uh, yeah, and then um, so, so the, the sport of feather bowling, the game of feather bowling comes from uh, in a small town. I, I, the name escapes me now, but it's in western Flanders in, in Belgium, a small little area. And, and um, you, your average Belgian doesn't necessarily familiar with it. It's 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 just a very small area of, of Belgium where it was played, and, really? and so there's a lot who will pass through, and, and like it's it's new to, it's new to them. Um, but uh, we have a league on, on Tuesday. It's a co-ed league. Uh, it's a team league. The, the Thursday men's league is one-on-one competition, and, and every year then there's a grand national champion, and so that you see the pictures in the in the lanes of those are drawings that uh, one of our club members, Jerry Lemonow, does. Jerry is retired now, but he was down at, at, at I think 36 District Court was the sketch artist, the sketch guy. Okay. What do you call it? Um, those, um, yeah, I know those there's guys. A, there's an official name for that, yeah. but talented artist, and, he, and he's Belgian, and he, he's he's one of the guys who really has the history of the club, and I've sat down a few times and hung out with him, and story after story, but um, but yeah, so the, the winner of, of the Thursday gets their, gets their portrait drawn by Jerry, um, and we just started a Wednesday league. Um, also a co-ed league with uh, Come Play Detroit. If you know Justin Jacobs, um, I know Justin. Yeah, yeah Justin. Yeah. Justin's the, the the head of that uh, organization. And Come Play Detroit brings. Um, so let's say CompuWare hires a hundred people. They're all coming from out of town. Orientation, get acquainted with the city, link them up with Come Play Detroit for some you know leagues, social events, and so they. It's it's nice to get sort of um, on Wednesdays. We have a lot of new people coming in here. Right, first timers. And it's always nice to, you know, see someone's reaction and then, you know, all our staff knows this too. I mean, we have staff who've been here for over over 20 years. Wow. Um, and uh, the story, you know, the stories and the history and, uh, but yeah, I'm um, kind of jumping around here, but getting back to your list, uh, pigeon racing, there used to be pigeon coops on, on the rooftop. Come there. on. Yeah. And the other bar, there were, you know, this whole east side of Detroit was Belgians, all Jefferson Chalmers. Um, even in Gross Point, like in the Cabbage Patch area, a lot, a lot of the houses were built by Belgians. Um, East English Village, Morningside, uh, over here in Cornerstone. Um, and uh, I think it was one of the largest Belgian populations out, outside of, of Belgium. Um, I read that, yeah. And uh, I think it, it started to maybe change in the, in the late 70s or so. But... Um, uh, so anyway, there are a number of Belgian bars on East Warren and also on Charlevoix. O'Flaherty's, I'm sure you guys have been there. O'Flaherty still has uh, pigeon coops on, on their roof. Really? Yeah. That is yeah. pretty cool. And I, I, my partner and I were texting the other day. There was some auction in, uh, I, think, I think it was in Hong Kong or Shanghai. 
and uh, uh, they were auctioning pigeons, and one went for one point five million dollars. Come pigeon. on, yeah. let's buy yeah. some coops. I, I think we should. Buy, we might, we might have to bring some pigeon pigeons back. <laughs> well, you know, the other thing is, I, I saw that it, archery, and, and, and all I the can Robin think Hood of Guild, it was called. Okay, well, and that sounds really cool, but in today's world, right? Although they are doing axe throwing, right? <laughs> So why not archery again? We've, we've, we've tossed the idea around. We're not we're not there yet. We're still no just trying. No pun intended. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that would be really cool to bring to bring that back um, at some point. Yeah. Well, Bruce, this this is one of you know these sites' best kept secrets. Oh my gosh, it is. I mean, I, it's yeah. amazing. You know, it is a secret. But then again, yeah. you know, there's there's so many people who know about it too, like internationally. And yeah. We, we get we get, um, and the previous owners of the Voss family who. We bought it from. They've been super helpful, and they they, they bought it in 1962. And they okay. bought it from the original owners. It started off as a grocery store, and so right. I, I, from what I understand, and I, I could be wrong, but I, I know for sure it was a grocery store in front, and then the uh, speakeasy was in the back, and then that's how it, then it morphed at some point into the Cadu Cafe. But it was a, a Belgian grocery store. Right. I, I remember being here first. This is the first time I ever came to the Cadu Cafe, ordered a beer, and it cost me 16 bucks, but I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know what I ordered. I said, "Just give me something different." Well, you probably you ordered one of the, probably Chimay or one of the, the tall Belgian, the tall, tall was, yeah. Belgian bottle uh, but I, imports. And you know what? And I felt okay paying sixty bucks because I knew I wasn't nope. going to get anywhere else. But but you're actually touching on something very interesting because I've looked at the menu list. Oh, yeah. of, I mean, you have these Belgian beers. Yeah, Talk we're about. one of the few places. I mean, we have I think about we're up to over eighty beers now, but yeah. three dozen are, are Belgian imports. Right, and a lot of them are hard to get. Um, and a lot of the Belgians will come in those big tall bottles, and yeah. you know you got to watch yourself because the uh, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can have one or that's why one sixteen bucks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, one of the other things that I saw in doing some research for this podcast was that ESPN has done videos here, Sports Illustrated. There's a Sports Illustrated article. Yeah, that's actually um, up there on the wall. Okay. Okay. Um, and then, of course, you know, a lot of this is before our time. We've only, you know, been here two sure. years. But again, like, the history is, is just astonishing. The ESPN thing, um, well, one of their stories that they ran, they, they've run a few, I believe. One of them, though, was one of the portraits was stolen. Well, I was going to ask you about that, and then I well, go ahead. It's a cool story. Yeah. Well, you may if you if you just recently read about the last few days, you may be able to, to get it out quicker than me. But there was a guy in the league named Steve. His last name escapes me, but he lived down the street here on Cadu in that red farmhouse, okay. which is the last um, farmhouse on the east side. You know how the strip farms? That's the last one. I think it dates from like the 1860s. Um, but he was a, a feather bowler. For a number of years, and they used to take the, you know, when Cadu would close, they would take the party down down the street to Steve's. And uh, sadly, he, he got cancer. But that year that that um, he did have cancer, he he won. Um, the, he was a grand national champion. Had the portrait drawn, and it was no relation. If you see the portrait, he he wore a top hat, and he has a very distinct uh, beard and mustache. Right. And so it really sticks out from the other ones. And there was a group of people feather bowling one night, and uh, they lifted the portrait. I'm not sure. I think it took... Hey, well, hang on, Terry. This is where... Oh, yeah. They were Canadians. They were Canadians. <laughs> it, 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 took a, it took over a year to find... I think it was about a year. If, is it two years? Two years. That's what I Two read. years for um, to find that out. Right. And... Uh, you know, it was just a, a, a few drunk Canadians. Uh, well, well, I hate to say it was probably French Canadians. I mean, <laughs> that's probably what happened. Yeah. 
but uh, then they, they send it back anonymously, so we don't. I don't think they yeah. have a name tied to it. But, yeah. um, oh, actually, but, they do. Oh, but, do they? Is there? But, yeah, okay. they, they got in touch with the Royal Canadian Mounted Police RCMP, and, yeah. and, and the RCMP okay. said, "Hey, uh, look, don't like." Threaten the guy. Just say, "Look, no strings attached. Just send it back." Yeah. And his name was on it. Apparently. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. So they knew who it was, but they said, "We just got it back," and they, that's all that everybody. Well, was I think what it is then. Um, happy about. Yeah, but it, it's back up there, uh, bolted down. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's um, cool stuff. But yeah, so I think I think we've gone through most. Of, oh, there there used to be a Kaju uh, bicycle club as well. Yes. Yeah. And they used to do races on this side of town all the time. Yeah. And that stopped, I think, roughly 15 years ago or so, and. Funny enough, I mean, right before the, the first shutdown, uh, I was in talks to them about bringing that back. Yeah, and so that's that's on the list to, to get to over the next you know the next six six months or so. Right. But uh, there's a big cycling history here, and you can see the pictures. Um, Eddie, Mer- Eddie Merckx, one of the most famous cyclists of all time, is Belgian. Okay. Um, I think. I mean, he's like. Well, you can't you can't compare him to Lance Armstrong now. But um, think of, of Lance Armstrong from canceled to, to before. To what, how long has that been now? Prior to right. But Eddie Eddie Merckx, he's still alive too. Um, there's a number of pictures uh, up here of him and, and the previous uh, owner, Ron DeVos, was a cyclist. And um, he actually is working downtown now at the um, uh, a few days a week at the uh, Velodrome. Okay. Cool. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. So those are the clubs. I mean, it's a, it's a really eclectic history and uh, lots of activities. I mean, one of their sayings from some of their old literature that I've I've seen um, over the last year: uh, "There's always something to do at the Cadu." Okay. Well, that's so, and it, it, it reigns true to this day. There's always something going on here. You know, we we have bands now. Um, you know, it, it was nice. Uh, you know, I played with Bob Seger's band, and we had a little home stint playing at GTE two summers ago. And on off nights, I had, all different band members came in and played and were featured, and we had some really good times here. And a lot of great musicians across the stage. Even prior to to us taking ownership, a lot of great bands came through here, and it was under the radar, and it still kind of is. And we're just trying to maybe poke it out just a little bit more on the radar, but we want to keep that keep that you know under the radar vibe because that's 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 where the, the cool things happen and, and uh, the magic is. You know, I think. Um, you mentioned um, just before we got started that you're having an Allman Brothers tribute band that you're playing. No, in, I'm not playing. Not no, playing? no, okay. no. But it's it's yeah. So so um, Friday night, two days from now, uh, in our outdoor beer, beer be garden, cool. which is it's between five and six thousand square feet. So a lot of space to feel comfortable, and, and uh, you know we have about thirty five tables out there that seat six to eight people. It's eight Europeans, six Americans. I think that's, 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 what, that's, what, that's what the ratio is. Um, but anyway, uh, and I told you guys the story on that is I found a beer garden in Germany that was going out of business and, and found these great these great tables that we have out there. So they've worked really well, and we have a nice stage. Um, uh, but yeah, we have this tribute. It's, it's, it's pretty close to being sold out. We're going to have some standing room um, area near our, our garage bar that you guys saw earlier. Which is cool, um, too. And... Uh, it's a nice vibe, um, you know. Plus, we have a big parking lot, so people can really spread out and, and feel comfortable. Uh, we had a, we had a nice last summer. We had music five nights a week, and uh, we're, we're we're getting back to that um, now. Here, as the weather's warming, warming back up. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, you know, one of the things I think about, you know, in our business, you know, the vodka business, we talk about. People say, "Well, why'd you pick Poland?" And you know, why'd you go over there? And I said, "Well." Yeah, where does the best beer in the world come from? Germany and Belgium. Right, it's that, true. No, it's, it's and true. I need, to, I need to start really pushing 
and the best beer, Belgian beer, to the it is. cafe. Yeah. Right? That's what we but with, I mean, without a doubt, and you, and you know why that is too. Um, because there's no, there's really not a wine region over there. So, so the monk, you know, it goes back to the monks. Oh, so it's legit. Yeah. Um, now, have you been to Belgium? I have not. It's, it's on our. Can, can I tell you something? Crazy. Is it? They are. You know, we had offices over in Belgium, and these guys were like the um, the writer, European Ryder Cup. Always pickled, having fun, and they. There was never a beer more than six feet away uh-huh. from these guys. It, it's a blast. Yeah. You have to go there. Yeah. I mean, the pictures I've seen and videos, you know, it, it looks amazing. Um, yeah. The palaces and just the... the it, I think it wasn't... Belgium, Belgium wasn't really touched much by the war, right? There wasn't too... That's, no, so they, 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 they still were... Um, uh, they called them Switzerland for the right. war. They were very neutral. Right. Okay, right. <laughs> um, they didn't bring anything to the table, and they didn't want any trouble. Right. <laughs> Well, you can't remember all those great breweries. Right. Right. But, yeah, so, so uh, from what I understand, you know, the, the monks, you know, develop, I mean, there's such a wide variety of Belgian beers. And, again, I, I'm no expert, and I'm still still learning. But, I um, mean, you must look up at the board. Um, you know, there's the Lambics, there's the Sours, you know, and there's, you know, the Dubels, the, the Chappelles, um, yeah. all these, you know, the Quads. Um, just a vast array that, I mean, that's nowhere else. So does anybody ever come in here and say, give me a little bath blue? Oh, yeah, it happens. It, it happens, yeah. yeah. And you just look at them like, get out of here. Uh, get no, out. no, we don't think anyone out. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> now, it's very cool. I like all the, again, I don't want to overemphasize iconic, but some of the cool signs like K-Line Drive, right? Yeah, that's always been where the, where the men's room is. You know, yeah. Where's the men's room? It's K-Line Drive, and you just point to the sign and... Um, all the that's cool been up here stuff. for decades. Yeah, I mean, it's just so. There's a lot of history on the walls. You, I mean, you bring a group of people here. You bring, you know, 16, 20 people because you're going to have teams out there. Right. It's just a great night. And, and then talk about the food. I mean, come on, we get the mussels. The mussels. Yeah. Every Monday for decades they've been doing all, all you can eat mussels, right. muscle madness. Yeah. And you know, um, and Anthony Bourdain did a show here in 2009. It's, and I think his quote was, you know, the muscles are amazing. You got to come into this place, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we've um, we're back to our full menu. It's, it's barely changed since since we took over. Okay. Um, we've just added added a couple things like a steak dinner and some steak dip appetizer. But we have you know all these muscle appetizers and muscle Thai muscles, um, the traditional muscles with you know steamed with vegetables and then the wine and white wine and garlic. Um, it's it's a great it's a great place. The food's great. The cooks put their heart heart into it, and um, you know the big thing here too would be you know you get fifty people in, you rent the feather bowling lanes, and then they'd have banquets. You know, so you'd have you know buffet style, which obviously we we, we can't do right now. Right. That, that was you know you would you would have. Uh, you know, serve, serve yourself, and hopefully we can get back to that at, at some point soon. But, but in the meantime, I mean, we still we're still having groups in the Feather Bowl. We're having birthday parties. We're at, we had a, we had a, a group of um, uh, people touring Detroit uh, a few days ago. Booked the lanes for 12 noon. Had 50 people in here. Feather bowling. A lot of food from out of town. It was some type of tour Detroit event. Uh, um, Came in on the bus, you know. A lot, we have a lot of bus groups come in. Um, it's just a, it's a great place to gather, low key, you know. 
have a good time, have fun. Yeah, it really, it really is cool. In fact, I, I've always wondered. I see the feather. You know, I, I saw the feathers when Pitching we took feathers, the yeah. yeah. So, how long does the feather last before it's? I mean, well, here's, here's a great, here's a great, here's another like great casual story. So, one of the feather bowlers, uh, his name's Eric Creed. I'll, I'll give him a shout out. And you know what? He would be. You should have him on your podcast one time. I mean, this guy, you could, you could have a three-hour podcast with him because he can talk about the casual history. I mean, nonstop. And it's, it's, can be pretty engaging. But anyway, he's an air traffic controller at Selfridge. No way. So he gets the pigeon feathers. Really? Yes. He gets the pigeon feathers. Sure. Yes. The ones that don't make it, right? Yes. <laughs> so does he catch them in the air before they hit the ground? I don't, I don't ask any questions. That's probably a good story. We already have the best pigeon feathers because they never hit the ground. Oh, my <laughs> God. They're so the fresh. Until they hit the cage. You yeah, so we have Ziploc bags full of them uh, yeah. out in, the, in the lockers out there. Oh. Yeah, that is funny. Well, I can tell you we are enjoying a Belgian... Uh, a Belgian... Eagle. Eagle, yeah. The Belgian... Cheers. The Bel- cheers. So, yeah, here we are uh, enjoying it. And it's tasty, right, guys? I mean, Cheers. Love it. So, um, so yeah, you know, uh, I want to mention too. You know, Zim's was one of the first uh, vodkas we brought in here once we we took over. You know what? One of the first things we had. I, I hit up Terry because we had he, met somewhere right. at the DAC. Or, yeah, we'd been downtown. We did uh, a little tour, and then we were both East Siders, and you know, we ended up at a little club <laughs> in uh, Gross Point called Dad's. <laughs> And uh, I think that's cl- actually Detroit. I think we, cl- yeah, you know, it's you're right. Just across the alley. Just on the other alley, yeah. Well, there's half it's in Gross Point, half it's in Detroit. Right, right. Really? When you go to that back door gate, which I didn't know they had. Yeah. Right? So the next day, I'm telling my kids, hey, Dad, where, where were you last night? I said, Well, we went out, you know, a couple of, where, where'd you go? I said, Well, we went to Dad's. They go, You went to Dad's? I go, Hey, I still got a little giddy. Yeah, right? I got some game. We closed the place. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't the last place we closed. But, and you're a dad. And I'm a dad, yeah. But we had a lot of fun. And so I remember, again, I've been here many times with a bunch of groups the Optimist Club from Gross Point, people from Lockmore. People that just want to go and do something different, right? right? And that's why I think right now, with all the pent-up, you know, once things get back to where they are, going curling, right? Right. Um, it's fun. It's fun. This is something different that people haven't done, and they want to. They want a casual experience, and they want to get out. There's a lot of curlers from the Detroit Curling Club at the Opera Ferndale, right? Yeah. Yes. Who um, who come in here and are feather bowlers? Do you know you can't you can't get out there? It is so hard to book. They're full all the time. Really? Wow. It, it's unbelievable. It's like, uh, so I grew up in British Columbia. One of the big sports I never played as a kid is cricket. Okay. Have you ever watched a cricket match? Oh, yeah. They, they can go on for two or three days. But it's fun to watch these guys just bat the ball back and forth and do all that. And it's like feather bowling. I mean, where do you go? Except Victoria to watch cricket, right? Right. Well, where do you go to watch football? Right yeah, come here to the, the cafe, cafe, right in Detroit. So. I can't believe it's the only place in North America where you can feather ball. They they coined the term. They they have the um, the Owens brought it from. Uh, so we have the, tr- the trademark to feather bowling. There's other places that use it, but they're not official. And no place has the dirt lanes right the way it's supposed to be done. Right. 
So, uh, um, and you really cleaned those up, by the way. We we did because yeah, back in the day, you'd come out here, you're dusty, right? <laughs> really? it's, I mean, it's still yeah. dusty. You yeah, know, yeah. Every every day, and they've, they've done it for decades. You water them when you come in, right? And then you water them at the end of the day. To keep, to we should that pro- dust we down. should probably bring in Al Sabaka from the Red Wing show. Does his voting? <laughs> yeah, have him take a look at it. See what he, <laughs> see what he can rig up and make, make it easier for everyone. He, he, he'd probably make our so. jobs a lot easier. Yeah. So feather bowling is a lot like, uh, or people have uh, coined it as. Uh, Belgian Bocce Yeah Or I don't want to use Remember Jarts When we were kids Can't can't do that anymore Uh Probably a little bit like shuffleboard too. I think. I think they, uh, it's um, timing. It's I've heard people t- make sure of bocce and shuffleboard. Kind yeah, of. yeah, exactly. But it's it's cool because it's like a it's really it's not a, a, a like a bowling ball. It's it's like well, a disc cheese wheel. A, that's like a what cheese it, that's wheel. what it developed from. From what I understand is you know they have their cheese wheels on the back of a wagon and they'd be rolling them and somehow it morphed it morphed into this game. Really? So yeah. the first time I went on a date with my now wife. Right, a couple we played a couple things. We went golfing, and she's not a golfer. And I remember picking the golf ball up right after she hit it one time because we were holding people up. Right, and she got so mad at me. She said, "I'm never golfing with you again." Well, I'm going to fast forward. We come to the Cadu Cafe. Can I tell you something? This is a sport that even if your wife isn't super athletic, right, anybody can do it. Well, right, right. It's a, it's a sport you can play well when you're drinking too. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny because when I was doing my research, they said, yeah, you, you hold the uh, and I forgot you hold the wheel, okay, in one hand, but you hold a cocktail in the that, other. That's, that's acceptable. <laughs> yes, exactly. And just don't don't just don't spill it on the lanes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and what comprises that? Is it like is it clay? Is it? So it's, it's a bit of a trade secret. Um, but it's a mixture of sand and dirt, um, uh, even like like some like some hardening material, like not, not quickery, but something uh, similar to that. And there's actually like some, some pigeon blood. That's right. To help it. Sort of, you know, right to stick together. This is like the uh, KFC recipe. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> no one's ever going to know. If I told that, I'd to kill you. Yeah. Kill you. Yeah. So, how much does the wheel, you know, the wheels weigh? Oh, you're getting out of my wheelhouse now. Okay. <laughs> no idea. Uh, but it, I mean, I, probably like, four pounds. Yeah, four yeah. Pounds, yeah. Like you said, it's something that gentlemen and ladies alike can enjoy. And oh yeah, it's all good. And we just had a, we had some new designs to the wheels. I mean, the, the shapes are always the same, but we. We put logos on the side of them and have some nice new balls. They're ma- maple wood, just like the floors here that we got restored from the 1920s. Uh, the maple, the maple drink rail in there, so they kind of have a theme with you know tying the, the. They call them stones, the feather bowling stones. Okay, that's that's sort of a nickname for them. Really? Instead of balls, they call them stones. Okay. Well, you know, I used to make stones in a previous life, in a previous business. I owned a bread company. We made a ton of stones. Okay. But not those kind of stones. <laughs> so, um, how did you meet your uh, partner in this business? We went to high school together. You did. Yeah. So um, Paul Howard. So he uh, he has a, a number of uh, bars and restaurants downtown Detroit. And um, when I uh, this became for sale, um, at, at first he actually wasn't going to do it. And I was just going to do it and, and find someone else. And sort of at the last minute, um, called me up. He's like, you know what? I'm missing out on a great opportunity. He's like, I love, love that place. And um, 
Can I still be involved? I'm like, thank you. Yeah. Because at that point, I didn't have anyone else yet. You know, and I, I needed someone, not knowing about the business, I needed, uh, you know, uh, someone with the experience, the of experience like the... he has. So it's been great. And um, uh, he was a couple years ahead of me in high school, but um, we've had a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, and it's been a stressful year for sure with everything going on, but we still managed to have some fun and we've enjoyed, uh, you know, discussing the different ways to restore things and you know, refurbish and tweak things and you know because again it, the wheel's not broken what's the saying you know uh, right if it ain't broke don't yeah, fix if it, it yeah if it ain't broke don't fix right. it exactly so we've, we've, we've tried to you know go by by that sort of uh, concept yeah well I'm in, in the bar I mean can you imagine if those if those stools could talk <laughs> and if that mirror could talk I mean all the history that's going along with this place I mean it's incredible uh uh, and by the way, like Jack making these uh, Belgium eagles for us. I yeah. mean, how long's Jack been with you? Jack's actually Jack's new. He's uh, about a year now. Okay. Yeah. Well, he can he whips up a, a mean cocktail. Yeah, he's great. He's great. It's very cool. He actually he was the bartender at Dad's bar that night. At uh, oh oh that that's right that's right. <laughs> Everything comes back to Dad's Bar. <laughs> Everything comes back to Dad's Bar. Anyway, this is a promotional uh, episode for Dad's Bar. Uh, on <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Buy a Kaju Cafe. Yeah, can't get in there. Get over here. Right. Now you mentioned earlier you had a 16-piece band in here. I mean, they wow. Used, they used to put it. It would be along here. They would they would move the tables, and uh, they would play along here. This was, this was before there was a stage. Again, this is this is 20. 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, the, the previous owners, uh, Ron DeVos and Paul Miseraka, they they added, so so Ron um, was, Paul was Ron's nephew. Paul Miseraka, not Paul, my, my partner. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the, those two families are who we bought it from. Uh, they added a stage, and they, they were both musicians, too. So so there's a little bit of a tradition being carried on, too, with, as far as that goes. Um, and they had some great bands. Paul Paul's band is called um, Eastside Elvis and the Motor City Mafia. <laughs> and he, he dresses up as Elvis, and then does, but does you know like a lot of um, Iggy Pop and uh, you know garage, you know rock, and uh, a lot of B sides. And um, uh, a great job. He's going to be playing out here. This he plays here every every year. Um, but yeah, so the stage was there. They put that in when we took over. We made it a little bit bigger, and then we we um, made it a Maplewood stage again, just to kind of keep it the, the theme with the floors and the stuff we were doing in the, in the lanes and everything. But, um, uh, so are you going to leave the, um, you know, I've lived in Gross Point for 35 years now in the park for a lot of those years, always coming down Kaju, and you'd always see on the side of the wall this, you know, character of this, you know, smoking hot, you know, yeah. waitress or whatever. You know, half of her is gone now that we put in, you know, there's I a saw, garage, I garage saw door. And that's, that in, was yeah. a bit controversial. We, you know, yep. everyone has an opinion on, on, on that. And, yeah. Uh, and, of course, the Kafana tuxedo. Uh, yeah. Well, it's not good move, right? right yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, you got to pay the rent, right? <laughs> well, you know, they, they haven't, they've been out of business for a long time. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the city, we're grandfathered in for that size of, uh, of murals. murals. Okay. If we wanted to do anything else, it has to be smaller. Um, and then there's there's fees. and So, you know, those things, those are so iconic. We're, yeah. we're just going to leave them for now. And, They're classic, yeah. Wait to see what happens. Uh, there's actually a couple guys around town who, who are great artists um, doing those types of things. Um, well, I always wondered because have, it, it always looked in great shape. It was never, they never let it worn. go worn or anything. It right. was always done up. And I yeah. thought, okay, someone's got a pretty good gig here. Yeah. yeah. Right? 
Um, so we're uh, we're kind of waiting to let that one germinate a little bit and see what what we're gonna do. But uh, th- those are definitely like you know you know you're, you're at the cafe when you see those. You know for sure, for sure. I mean it's uh, it's awesome. So um, uh, the other thing I was gonna ask is um, what. You mentioned you're a musician, so tell us about your background. I mean, when did you? What instrument do you play? Sure. Well, I, I play the trombone. I started in fourth grade, just up the street here, again, right in the neighborhood at Saint Clara Montefalco Church, um, in grade school. And they offered in fourth grade you could start playing an instrument be before school. So everything was like seven a.m., seven thirty, beginning band class. And uh, I, I selected the trombone. I went around. You had a day where you could try all the instruments, and the trombone. For whatever reason, it just clicked. It just it was like, oh, I, I just understood. I just slowly understood it, you know. And it wasn't like I said I had to practice a lot and a lot, but the, the, just like moving the slide, everything made right. sense. And when I picked up like a clarinet or a trumpet, or, you know, it was like uh, the fingers. I mean, like what's going on, you know? But just like moving that slide, I mean, come on. <laughs> you know, it ended up being one of the harder instruments, so uh, <laughs> in hindsight, I um, love. Horns. I love the horns. In fact, you know, I, I I guess I'm dating myself now, but, you know, I love the band Chicago. And being a guy who grew up here in Livonia on the west side, we'd go to Pine Knob, now DTE, right? But they always had, like, the horn section. They have a trombone guy oh, and yeah. a trumpet guy. Jimmy Pankow. They're, Jimmy, and he was the guy. That, and they were the founders of that band. They were. Yeah. Yes, exactly. But I always thought, man, it, it'd be easier just to hit those trumpet things, you know, whatever you call those things, versus the, bells, the, yeah. the versus the you with the slide. It's like yeah. you got to get it right every time. Yeah, it's it, you have to be very precise. It's it's just like a on a string instrument, you know, with your fingers, you have to have it in the right area. It's it works just like uh like the frets on on a, on a string instrument. Um, but yeah, it's funny enough with, with Jimmy Pankow, I, I met him. Uh, I was playing in Nashville a couple years ago with Bob Seger. He came to the show, and then we hung out all night. Downtown Nashville was was, was really memorable. And um, he was going to come here and hang out last summer. They had a show scheduled, which of course was canceled. Right. You know, but I'm hoping that that will, that will come back around because that would just be great to spend some time here, you know with him here in Detroit. Um, and then obviously, uh, God bless his soul, Alto Reed. Oh yeah. yeah. You know, who lived in Gross Point. Yeah, right near our, our your kids. Our yeah. kids went to school yeah. together. Great guy, by the way. Oh, yeah. And very, you know... They uh, play with him. I played with him for 16 years. Yeah. Uh, my group, the Motor City Horns, joined Bob Seger's band in 2006. Okay. And uh, um, Alto was was a great uh, friend and, and, and sort of a, a mentor in certain ways uh, as we joined the band. And uh, we obviously had to work together because we're, we're in the same realm in, in the band. I mean, he was a front man, though. Right. But we're... we're all playing horns and we we really had a good chemistry and a good you know back and forth with with what the horn section did uh, behind him and what he did and uh, we were able to you know help him to take to go took over some of his lines so he could move a little bit more and and then focus more on his on his big solos like turn the page and things like that and uh, uh, it it was unfortunate Uh, yeah it was a surprise to us all because he kind of kind of kept it low-key and didn't didn't tell too many people and that, that was right on I think it was New Year's it's usually December thirtieth or thirty first, but it made for a sort of a, a very sad uh, end to an already already sad year. Um, but uh, but his kids, you know, his daughters, Victoria, are, Victoria is, is, a, is a musician in the business, and, uh, and she's married to 
somebody who's in the business. Yes. So his name is keyboard player. Right. Um, right. They're carrying it on the tradition, and uh, that's cool. It, it's great to see. But yeah, yeah. He, he had actually was spending a lot of time down in Florida. Yep. Alto, and, and I stayed in touch with because he's just a cool guy. Yeah. You know, the phone would ring, and it'd be all I'd have all three. And someone would go, "Who are you talking to?" I go, <laughs> think of no way I go away, you know. But he's just that kind of guy. Yeah. yeah. You know, hey, what are you doing? What's going on? You know, how things going? How the kids? Yeah. He was always like that. And he, he always had time for you. Yeah. And that's what I liked about him. Yeah, and he loved being a father. I mean, he was he was so proud of his um, of his daughters. Chelsea yeah. was the other right. one who was yeah. an agent in uh, L.A. Right. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah. I forgot which. It was one of the big and then firms. And there's Monica. Right. Right. I, I, didn't, I, I love her. only met her once. She was a sweetheart. You should see her on the sidelines at a uh, when the girls played field hockey and uh-huh. they get together. She was unbelievable. <laughs> I felt the referee stayed in the middle of the field because they wanted no part of her. <laughs> she was going to tear them apart. She's a little, you know, five foot nothing, uh, you know, right. ball of fire. But right, great, great family. And you know, I, I think what is really great again about this place is just I love the location. Right, it's so close to a community like Gross Point that has so much tradition. Right, and when you put these together, and there's really not a lot of competition for you around here. I mean, this is a destination, but it's a reasonable destination. If you right. don't want to go downtown Detroit, you don't have to. Well, it's, too, it's like if you want to taste of Detroit, it's right here. You, it's don't, right here. you don't have to go downtown. Right, you know, exactly. and uh, um, you know this this place has been. I mean. It's the late 1920s, you know. I'm looking forward to uh, yeah. in a few years we'll be able to do a you know hundredth uh, anniversary party. Exactly. Um, and uh, yeah, the whole east side. I mean, just a lot of you know a lot of history over here. Well, it's like during the introduction. This is your neighborhood bar, right? I yeah. mean, where yeah. everybody kind of knows your name. I mean, you got a lot of you're doing all the things, social distancing, etc. Um, to stay in compliance. But at the end of the day, I mean, people are having a good time. You've got six people at a table. Um, and we get, but, we get a lot of, uh, you know, visitors, like out of, people from out of town, you know, when they're at, at the hotels downtown, you know, what should we do? Usually Kaju Cafe is, is, is probably on the top ten list of, of things to do in, in, in Detroit, you know, when uh, you're looking to fill up your weekend, you know, Greenfield Village, of course, and, you know, all our great museums and Detroit Symphony and, and sporting events. But, you know, once you get outside of some of those, you know, sort of more obvious things, then it's right. like, well, what are some cool spots to go to? And, and I, I think the special thing about Kaju is that it's, that it's one of them. So we get all sorts of travelers, interesting people coming through here. It's, you know, when I, as a customer, I mean, it was great just hanging out here and you never know who you meet sometimes and all sorts right. of characters and um, international businessmen, you know. Who knows what they're doing? But they're at the cashier. They're at the cashier. That's right. And, and what goes on at the cashier stays at the cashier right. as it should. Yeah. That is so cool. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I'm enjoying myself, having a blast, and and uh, I frankly, I've never tried the mussels, but that's something that's definitely uh, I, I want to do. Now, is your is your revenue split like fifty fifty between beer, wine, and you know? No, we, we should do more food. You do okay. Yeah, and and what are your? I mean, are you guys with the COVID thing now? Is are you open? You're not open for lunch. No, you know they they haven't been open for lunch for a long time, um, and I don't even know if they had an extended period where they did it. The previous owners told us they tried it a, f- a few times. I think in the uh, maybe in the late '80s or early '90s, but uh, uh, it didn't it didn't take. Yeah, and uh, I would love to at some point. You know, it's I mean it's an easy location, right? Um, you know, but right now we're just 
We're, we open uh, 4 p.m. Monday through Saturday, and then Sundays at 2 p.m. Okay. And that's the uh, again. We haven't changed much. Those are the hours they've, they've been doing for decades. So we kept those going. Yeah. And uh, we'll start to tweak as, as as we go forward. But um, uh, you know, and once uh, we open up here our outdoor bar on Friday, uh, we'll be able to go to 2 a.m. Um, any night of the week that we have that outdoor bar open. Well, plus with the outdoor area, you can come inside still grab your food, grab your drink, and then just go outside. You just can't hang out inside after 11 o'clock. Sure. Maybe that will be changing soon, hopefully, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Well, that, and what do you think about the uh, staying open until 3? Three? 3 or 4? I mean, you know, I, I heard tell that. You, you know, if you asked me when I was a customer, I'd have been like, oh, yeah, yeah I'm in. When you really when you really look at it realistically, who's, who's going to want to work until 4? Um, right. And I'm sure, like, as far as insurance policies and liability, you know, it just opens up a can of worms. And I think for some places downtown, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be worth it. and They're going to have the business. But um, but at least the nice thing would be is like, OK, you know, you're having a great Friday, Saturday night here or whatever bar. And maybe normally you close it, too. But if you have this out, OK, you know what? It's a really busy night. We don't have to be yelling at people to get out. You don't have to have that kind of on your back. Like, call. you know, so you can. Turn the lights on. You can, right. you know, you can have that casual till two thirty, you know, two, you know, two forty-five, and 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 not rush people out. Yeah, I mean, think about it. what did our mothers tell us? Nothing good Nothing happens good after happen after, mid- after midnight. Is it midnight or is well, in Canada it was eleven o'clock. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I had to be home early, um, but she was right. You know, but as well, we get older, and uh, you know, again, we have some great food. Right, some right. Great cocktails and uh, just some great entertainment, and this is all about people. It is. Well, yeah. at the end of the day, I mean, it's about the culture that's been created in the twenties, right? And the youth continued, and uh, it's going to, like you said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So right. why wreck a good thing? Right, right. The recipe's working. Exactly, exactly. Well, um, look, we're, we're you know we, we I know we need to wrap up here. We're we're, we're getting short on time. Did you have any other really good questions that you're going to? Give me well, well, we got time if, if throw, well throw a know, couple at it. Come on. Let's well, see. you know one of the one of the questions I I like to ask people, and this is it's a crazy question, but you know if you could have lunch with three people dead or alive, oh, who would you have lunch with, and why? See, you, you asked for it. Now you got well, it. Well, you know what? I, I would go. I never got to meet. You know. You know. It's a bit sentimental. Um, safe answer. <laughs> Uh, but I, I never met my grandparents, so I, I would. Uh, can we bump it to four people? Of course we I'd can. I'd want to have dinner with, with or lunch with uh, with my parents. Uh, I'm sorry, with my my father's parents and with my mother's parents. Right. Well, and then my mother's family goes way back on the east side. She was she's an altar, so like altar, oh, altar road, road. They yeah, had a strip yeah. farm way back in the day, and yeah. the, uh, my parents were older when I was born. Um, I won't say how old my mom was, but my dad was 47. Yeah. So my my grandparents had died. Close, but about a year before I was born in, in, in '76. So okay. that's that's uh, you know, and I could take the musician angle. Okay, th- you know, three famous musicians. I was just gonna add. It. Yeah, I'll give I'll give you something a little more interesting. That was a safe answer. Um, uh, well, you you played with Bob Seger. You you cut a record. Uh, a record. Well, he's still alive. I just dated myself. Yeah, he's still yeah. alive. <laughs> no, I know that. I've had lunch with him. <laughs> but you cut a. Uh, I said record, yeah. but I meant a CD. Whatever they yeah, call right, it a now. Few, a few uh, with Alice Cooper. Cooper. Yeah, that was one of my. Yeah, a few highlights of, of the last the another last year. Detroit guy, by the way. Right. 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 Was getting to um, uh, you know again I was, there I was 
not been much musical activity this this last year, and it's mainly been recording sessions. So um, I've done a handful of them, and one of them was with was Alice Cooper, and it was great. The album went number one on on Billboard. Uh, came out at the end of February, and okay. I don't know how long it was up there as number one, but. I mean, we're not playing music for awards, but it's kind of it's kind of cool to to have something like that, sort of you know, um, yeah, uh, you know, on your resume, resume so, so to speak, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but regardless, even if it hadn't, I mean, it's a great record. It's called Detroit Stories. So again, sort of a tie-in. I mean, it's just uh, you know, Alice has a great history with Detroit. Born here, then then moved, but then his band didn't really get started until they came to Detroit figured out their sound and Detroit was like one of the first cities to, to accept them and he's got a really great uh, autobiography out and you know golf, he's an avid golfer oh yeah and he's Sa- like a like scratch. saved his life too yeah yeah he can play um, he you know switched from uh, drugs and alcohol to uh, golfing right he golfs all the time <laughs> but a great guy a really smart guy and it was, it was really great to work with him um, uh, you know but but yeah as far as you know I, I play a lot of classical music um, I I started playing, substituting the Detroit Symphony when I was about 21 years old, and that's actually one of the most enjoyable things I like doing. And, and uh, that, what, you know, we have such a great orchestra in this town, and that's a, that's another hidden gem. But yeah, I mean, again, they have an international status. I mean, it's it's one of the top, you know, top 20 orchestras in the world. Um, and uh, um, I, I toured with Yo Yo Ma a little bit too, um, in, in a small group called the Silk Road Ensemble. Um, but it, so so as far as uh, musicians that I would want to have lunch with, I think I would go the cl- some of the classical background route and some famous composers, maybe like uh, Gustav Mahler, a German composer, wrote for a lot of big orchestras, like a lot of brass. One of my favorite um, composers, and then there's a Russian composer named Dmitry Shostakovich, um, who, who wrote um, some great symphonies, and a lot of it was during um, uh, um, World War II. Um, I believe or was it uh, anyway during the wars yeah. and one of them is called the Leningrad Symphony it's a seventh symphony it's like an hour and a half long I've had the privilege of playing it a few times um, and uh, it's just an epic work and you know I don't know how much you guys if you listen to classical music at all I but love it's classical it's, music it's, it's what it's what drew me into music was was playing in orchestras you know that was like the, I just the sound of an orchestra and so so my my earliest um, gigs and the gigs that I really enjoy doing the most have been playing in orchestras which has taken me around the world I, I played in the Hong Kong Symphony for a little bit I played in um, the Singapore Symphony for a little bit really um, yeah I've been over to uh, to Tokyo um, play, played in orchestra over in Israel and so those were the first classical music was the first genre uh, and and outlet that that was at the traveling was was amazing I mean all these different cultures and different countries and um you know and it's been great you know and and these different rock bands that i've played with to travel you know it's been mostly north america but um you know i got the travel bug early on and and, uh i I hope to you know i hope things get back to where we can have bands on tour and you know um whether it's an orchestra or a rock band or a a jazz group you know i hope to keep playing and um that is really cool you've got all that um, I've culture. Been, I've always been impressed with music guys. You know, I, I remember back in grade school when we had the recorders. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, thankfully, I, I never had to do that. Well, you know, thank God. Well, I did it because <laughs> my teacher said to me and my buddy Brett Brett Cornell. I'll never forget this. We were in like fourth grade. You know, everyone was blowing on. She said, "Stop, you two. Let me hear it." And we're blo- we, we just can't get it going. She goes down to the principal's office. <laughs> we, we were thrown out of uh, class. 
And uh, my mother came in and she said, well, I don't think my son's musically inclined. <laughs> so they gave me a hockey stick. That, that's what it would be but, uh, but I've always been impressed with you know, people that can play an instrument. Yeah, oh, me too. The piano, it doesn't matter. I, I, I always looked at it and go, geez, maybe I could have. And then I went, nah, I probably couldn't have. You know? Yeah. I can't even snap my fingers. I think you're done okay, though. Yeah, well, it's, you know, I, I, yeah, I think I've been okay. It's, uh, it's been, but it's one of those things. If, yeah. if I could learn, everybody seems to be, you know, the musicians always get the good-looking girls too. You know, you know, I mean, guitar doesn't matter what you're playing. If you're a musician, there's something about that. And uh, you know, yeah, it wasn't bad being a hockey player, but the musicians okay too. Yeah. So, uh, Judd, listen, thanks for having us here. No problem. Thanks, and, for, thanks and, for doing this. And, and listen, we're going to um, we're going to help spread the word. Okay. We're going to make it part of our presentation now with the uh, Belgian beer. Kedju Cafe, without a doubt. Right. right. We'll, we'll incorporate that. And, uh, you know, when things get back to normal, and we all believe they will, we just don't know when, uh, we'll have to do another event here. We're going to promote. We're going to get people here. We're going to come up with some real cool cocktails. And now that they're serving vodka, because I don't think they ever really served vodka here before. They, they did. I mean, but, but I, I was, won't name the brand. Yeah. No. Well, I but don't no, think, there's I don't think you could. Yeah, it was, you we know. Got a, I mean, we have any any liquor anyone needs, we have at the Kedju Cafe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, which is awesome. Yeah. So, you know, another destination, you know, for our customers. No question. Um, but just a great place to come, have a meal, socialize with your friends, meet people, and just chill out. Yeah, exactly. That's so, really what it's about. Thank so. you for letting uh, Zim's Vodka and Behind the Bar, myself and Terry, come here to have a great time. No problem. And uh, we look forward to uh, we look forward to our next rendezvous at the Cadu Cafe. Cheers. Thank you. Great. Yeah, no problem. Nostrovia. And a lot of success. Yeah. Thanks, guys. <laughs>